0: Welcome to our C3 Grow podcast. Wherever you are today, we hope that this message encourages you. We'd love to see you in person at one of our three locations, Hawick, Ormiston, and Suva. Visit c3grow.org for details.
1: So today we're going to be continuing our summer sermon series, Blessed. And this is simply a study of the section of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, Uh, teaching known as the Beatitude. So I want you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Today our focus is going to be on verse 7 in particular. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7. A big welcome to those of you who may be joining us for the first time today. It's great to have you with us. And uh, if you're looking for a church to call home, we'd love uh, for you to make C3 grow Your home church, you're most welcome here with us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Now, in this series we're obviously looking at these beatitude pronouncements and their corresponding promises, uh, one by one. Uh, So today we're looking at verse 7, next week we'll look at verse 8, the week after we'll look at verse 9, you get the idea. However, it's, it's worth keeping in mind all along the way that these beatitudes are presented together as a block of teaching, which when held together is Jesus' foundational direction about what life ought to look like when a person is saved, when a person belongs to the kingdom of God, and thus is a citizen of his kingdom. Now, one of the things that I think is quite striking to notice about these Beatitudes is that Jesus puts so much emphasis on the state of the internal life of a person. We're supposed to contrast this with the Judaism of the day and with the religious leaders whom Jesus was so often at loggerheads with. They had seemingly uh, fallen into the trap of putting all of their emphasis on the external life of a person. In their view God was most pleased or displeased with the state of the outside of one's life. And so their primary concern was for their uh, theatrical, public displays of religiosity. And they had this showy self-righteousness. And, and Jesus was not at all impressed by any of it. So look, look at how he condemned this sort of religion with, with strong words uh, over in Matthew, Matthew 23. Come with me over to Matthew 23. It's always good to come with me so you know I'm not making this stuff up. Uh, Matthew 23, and we'll read from verse 25. This is Jesus. He says, uh, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you, clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So Jesus pronounces woe to those who practice this kind of hypocritical, external religion. And he pronounces blessing to those who will trust in him to do the work of washing the inside of the dish and who will seek to live a life by the enablement of his power in which righteousness and good deeds are the happy overflow which complement their internal life. This is a life that is pleasing to God. The great Welshman, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, his work, uh, Studies in the Sermon of the Mount, has been a real touch point for me uh, along the way in preparation for this series. Uh, he put it this way, which I, I really liked this. A Christian is someone before he does anything a Christian is someone before he does anything the order is very significant in Christianity your doing isn't to determine your identity on the contrary your identity is to inform You're doing. So, with that in mind, uh, verse 7. Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So, before we get further uh, into this topic of mercy, this really needs to be said, and it really needs to be understood, lest we approach thinking about this beatitude, and thinking about our mercifulness, as if it were some kind of trade-off for us to weaponize and use in order to earn uh, divine mercy or favor or whatever from God. Okay? Remember the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Right at the beginning, there has been this uh, humble profession on our part Of a spiritual bankruptcy apart from God which has then led to the shocking outcome of the one who made the profession receiving not the divine condemnation which they deserve but rather life in the kingdom in such a way that does not correspond at all with what they deserve. This is the ultimate demonstration of the free and gracious mercy of God. And it's important to say and to remember that in the world of the Beatitudes, the merciful who will receive mercy on account of their mercy are first merciful on account of receiving mercy on account of their repentance. Can I say that again? In the world of the Beatitudes, the merciful who will receive mercy on account of their mercy are merciful on account of first receiving mercy on the basis of their repentance. In other words, divine mercy is never earned. It's never earned. It's always received by faith. Always. And receiving mercy in this way uh, then causes the recipient to respond by extending Christ like mercy to others, sometimes in a way that is radically countercultural. Now remember, uh, this sermon here was given uh, to Jews who were living under uh, the Roman regime. And, and the Romans weren't well-known for their mercifulness or for showing any kind of leniency to those who were on the wrong end of their law. Uh, they were, after all, uh, the designers of some of the most uh, uh, bar- barbaric, uh, brutal forms of capital punishment in history, including crucifixion. The Romans... Uh, ...showed their strength through the execution of vengeance. Mercy would have been an alien concept to many in the Roman world... ...and it would have been thought of as being uh, a weakness. And therein lies the secret of its power. The contrast to the societal norm, the societal values... Shocking. And and thankfully, uh, we have largely moved on from crucifying people in, in 2023. At least in our neck of the woods, right? But uh, the exemplification of, of beatitude mercy, that is being a merciful person, being a forgiving person, being a kind person, being a gentle person, overlooking offenses, Showing people undeserved uh, kindness and grace, no matter what uh, they might have done, or no matter who they are, I, I think this is still radically countercultural, and thus it is a powerful witness. When you come across a person who is who is merciful in this way, uh, they really, really do stand out. They, they shine like stars against the backdrop uh, of a dark. Night sky, and and nobody was a better example of beatitude mercy than Jesus himself.
0: Amen.
1: And one of the things that you will notice when you study uh, the life of Jesus was was how often he showed mercy to people who who could give him no advantage in return. He showed mercy to the sick. Uh, he showed mercy to the disabled, to the blind, to the deaf, to the mute. He showed mercy to the poor. Time and time again, he went out of his way to show mercy uh, to the uh, society's outcasts, to the unloved, uh, to the despised. He showed mercy to the woman caught in adultery in spite of this uh, worked up, disingenuous mob of stone-wielding accusers. When you cut Jesus, he bled mercy. When you cut Jesus, he bled mercy. There's this um, amazing story. Why don't you come with me over to Mark chapter 2. So <coughs> the next gospel over, write at the start. Mark chapter 2. and And we'll read verse 15 and 16. This is, a, this is a real uh, clash of, um, of worldviews here. Mark chapter 2, verse 15. And as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Tax collectors and sinners, right? here's the the religious quote. The scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Okay, like in the culture of the day, you ate with people whom you, you, you accepted. So it's not just a matter of eating, it's a matter of whom he accepts and again the hypocritical religious like the vengeful Romans they they just could not comprehend why someone with so much to give would associate with someone who had absolutely nothing to offer just think about that for a moment think about that logic for a moment because because In Jesus' view, it's the perfect fit. He has so much to offer, they have so much need. In the view of the religious, why would he hang out with them? And Jesus then brilliantly claps back at their absurdity in verse 17. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous but sinners. Why wouldn't somebody with so much to give just make a beeline for those who have absolutely nothing to offer? Now, As it happened, it was these two systems. The system of the hypocritical religious and the system of the vengeful Romans. Confounded by the Son of God, they combined a sort of an unholy alliance and they conspired to mercilessly kill the merciful Messiah, but not before he achieved all that was set before him by the Father. Okay, let's dig a little deeper. Let's see if we can uh, paint a more detailed picture of mercy by identifying a couple of other qualities that it's linked to. And by that I mean that mercy will often involve these things. I'm going to say uh, three other things about mercy. First, mercy is linked to empathy. Mercy is linked to empathy. So a merciful person is usually an empathetic person. Understanding, sympathetic, compassionate. So much of the uh, mercy of Christ is wrapped up in his incarnation that we spoke about at Christmas time. Jesus Christ actually identifies with us and he actually understands us. He, he knows what it is to be like us. He has not stood aloof from us, but rather he became flesh so as to live as we were, to know firsthand about our plight and about our pain. And this then becomes... Uh, A basis for his extension and our reception of divine mercy. Uh, The author of Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews uh, chapter 4. And you can trust me uh, to read it to you or you can come with me uh, to make sure. But Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable... To sympathize with our weaknesses. But but one who is in every respect. He has been tempted as we are. Yet was without sin. So then. Let us then. With confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy. And find grace to help in time of need. So so mercy, the mercy of Christ, is linked to and thus involves empathy. Uh, that is true in the case of uh, God and Jesus and it's also true uh, if we seek to be uh, merciful people, uh, at the same time we seek to be empathetic people. Second, mercy is linked to forgiveness. Ah, the F word. <laughs> Forgiveness. Paul writes this in, in Ephesians 2. In verse 4, it says this. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Do you see that? We have been made alive together with Christ when our sins were forgiven. And our sins were forgiven because God is rich in mercy. That's why we Christians are to be merciful and forgiving people because we have been forgiven by a God who forgave us on account of His mercy because He was rich in mercy. Mercy moves the merciful to forgive as the Lord forgave them. So too we forgive. Now the subject of forgiveness is a subject that we constantly need to revisit as followers of Jesus. It's a subject that's right at the heart of the gospel. It's also a subject uh, that can be very confronting, particularly if you are harboring unforgiveness towards someone who may have sinned against you or has offended you in some way. As it happens, it has been a year and six days now since we spoke about the subject of Christian forgiveness uh, in great detail, especially uh, with respect to some of the issues, nuances such as, what does forgiveness look like if the offender is unrepentant or no longer alive? That's that's a tricky subject. What does forgiveness look like when the offence of the offender uh, was so heinous that contact with the offender is not appropriate or just too painful? How does uh, one process forgiveness then? These are legitimate questions that can arise from profoundly difficult life experiences. And so uh, it feels somewhat uh, irresponsible to raise the issue of forgiveness without at least speaking pastorally uh, to these kinds of difficult nuanced questions and, and so uh, I feel like what I'm going to do today is a bit of a hit and run uh, because I'm not going to go too much further into it today uh, but I will do two things one, uh, we spoke in great detail about this a year and six days ago I checked. And and on our members page, we have a members page on Facebook, and if you're here today, you're welcome to belong to it. Uh, We are going to post that message from a year and six days ago uh, on that page. It's called C3 Grow Members. Uh, We'll do that, and um, that could help you. Uh, The other thing I'd like to do is offer uh, my time. And my undivided attention to any of you who might like to discuss the processing of forgiveness uh, under any circumstance, uh, in confidence. And I'm also sure that Dawn, uh, Pastor Wayne, uh, really any of our team would also be happy to offer you their time and attention to talk through this more. So don't be afraid to reach out anytime. I know that sometimes when we talk about forgiveness... It can, it, it can sound really simple, but the actual doing of it can, can be really challenging. And so we'd love to serve you in any way that we can there. But mercy is linked to, and thus involves, empathy. Uh, mercy is linked to, and thus involves, forgiveness. Here's number three. Mercy is linked to love. Mercy is a part of love. Merciful people are loving people. Loving people are merciful people. And and we saw this in the text that we just read. Did you spot it? Mm -hmm. Ephesians 2 verse 4 and 5. But God, being rich with mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved you have received the mercy of God because of the great love with which he loved you. If forgiveness begins with mercy, mercy begins with love. And we've used uh, a lot of words this morning to try to paint a picture profile of mercifulness and and all of these words kind of overlap in our portrait. Uh, words like empathy and compassion and kindness and gentleness and forgiveness. Uh, May all of these words be used to, des- to describe us. I mean, th- that would be great. But if there's one word which uh, sort of encompasses them all, it's, it's probably love, right? Mm-hmm. Probably love. 1 John 4 verse 19 says this. We love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. That's so profound. Don't, don't miss the, um, the profundity uh, because of the simplicity. Think about that. We love because he first loved us. In the same way We are merciful because he was first merciful to us. So too we love because he first loved us. Now, um, we read in Matthew 22 of a time when the Pharisees gathered together and they were seeking to test Jesus. And one of them, a lawyer, asks in uh, Matthew 22 and verse 36... Teachers, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, depend all the law and the prophets. So what we see here is this. Uh, The most important thing that we can do in life is to love God. Agree? And and the second most important thing that we can do is like it uh, is to love people. Yeah? Mm -hmm. But where does this love for God come from? Where does this radical kind of love for people, which includes mercifulness, where does it come from? Because neither of those things come naturally to us, do they? Pretty hard to generate a love for God and a love for people. Certainly not a, a biblical love for God and a biblical love for people. We can make up our own definitions of love and we do that but the kind of love that God requires from us for him and for others is it's really hard to generate. So what instigates and what ignites love for God and love for neighbor in us? The answer is love. We love because He first loved us. So, love for God comes as we grow in our understanding and in our experience of His love. The more that you come to grasp, God's love for you, or maybe it's better said, the more God's love grasps you, the more your heart will respond with an overflow of love for God, and then love and mercy for others. Here's how it works. God loved us. So then, we love God, and more and more, as our comprehension of God's love for us grows. And then, we love others, and more and more, as our love for God grows. We love, because He first loved us. Our love comes from His love. And so... Here's a good resolution. Let's seek to grow in our understanding and in our grasp of the love of God for us and so grow in the responsive love for God and for others which will express itself in many ways, including mercy. Blessed are the merciful, they are blessed because they have received mercy. But, and now let's switch to the second half of verse 7, Matthew 5 verse 7. There's also the sense of a, uh, a corresponding promise with a future tense. you see that? In verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So the merciful are blessed because they have received mercy merciful are also blessed
0: because they shall receive mercy thanks for listening we hope this message has blessed you for more information about our church you can find us online at c3road.org